This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello, this is Ian Lee. Uh, This is uh, an extra podcast. We don't normally uh, release a second one in the week. But on today's show, the 10th anniversary of the the London bombings, 7-7, we heard uh, a couple of incredible stories that we found... um, I guess touching is the word. Is that what would you, I mean? I, certainly, when I spoke to Paul, I had shivers going down my spine. Um, anyway, we we heard from uh, from Phil Duckworth and Paul Dodds, who are local people who were both um, far too close to the bombs when they went off, and we uh, we thought that maybe more people should hear their stories. So. Have a listen to this. It's not packed full of the usual laughs and bants, I'm afraid. This is quite a straight one, but uh, we think it's pretty important that you listen to this. Ten years ago today, four men took a train from Luton Station with the intention of never returning. When they detonated their bombs at Aldgate, Edgware Road, Russell Square and Tavistock Square, they killed 52 people and injured more than 700 others. One of them was Phil Duckworth from St Albans. He was standing next to the bomber on one of the trains and, as emergency workers passed him on the track, they said, this one's gone, which gave him the energy to get up and save his life. He spoke to our reporter, Justin Dealey. Uh, well, I, it was my normal commute, uh, so I got on the uh, underground at Farringdon, and uh, it was it was hot. It was a busy day. I was slightly late that day, so it wasn't I wasn't in any particular particular hurry to get to get to work. It was just sort of going with the flow. I don't really remember much about the commute at all. I I, I remember I sat down. I was reading my uh, my book, which is uh, Dan Brown, Dan Brown's Angels and Demons. When we just after Liverpool Street, I get up and get to the door, and I was I was stood at the door, my hand on the the, the sort of partition, and then there was a massive white flash uh, ringing in my ears. Honestly, I just couldn't work out what was going on. I thought I'd fallen off the train and and maybe got electrocuted or something like that. I could remember for a while and, and, until I came round and I was actually on the tunnel floor uh, in the dark. Uh, I was sort of laid on the rails and it was at that, that point I realised, you know, obviously something bad has happened. Maybe I did fall out of the train. I was sort of barely conscious, kept com- coming in, drifting in and out. Uh, and then I was trying to get my way to the station. I could see Allgate Station in, in distance. All I wanted to do was get to the platform. And uh, it was probably... 20 minutes or so before I got enough energy together to try and stand up. It's an absolute miracle you're still here today because you, of course, were standing next to the bomber. Uh, When you were blown out of the train, all of your clothes were blown off as well, so you were literally there in your underpants on that track. Mm. How did it feel when that person said, this one's gone? As As a human being, somebody who's going through something like that, how did that make you feel? purely survival instinct but this was like the this gave me something like a sort of an adrenaline buzz or whatever you know and i was like i've got to prove that guy wrong you know this is this is how bad it is they think i've died so i've got to get up and do something so and just how different do you live your life today you've got two lovely kids i've just seen your kids next door you seem incredibly happy just how different are you as a person now i mean i think it is a case of you know it does made me sort of stronger uh in a in many respects, um, just sort of viewing life, but you know, the positive side of it, spending time with the kids, the family, and you know, being able to just be st- still have a, a good lifestyle, live in London, go, go and travel in London, uh, travel and go to work in London, and, and, and not be afraid. 
And in a bizarre way, have you made friends from that day? Because if you've been through something together like that, only a small group of people have actually experienced that. So yeah. do you still keep in contact with people from that day? Yes, uh, I'm sort of part of a sort of quite close group of people that were um, either from my train or some of the others. And uh, we actually meet up every year and have a meal and you know celebrate all the things we've achieved since 7-7. Paul Dodds was from Flittick. He was on the Aldgate train. He spoke to me on the anniversary of 7-7. Well, I was travelling from Flittick to XL to meet Prince Charles um, for a celebration, and uh, it didn't happen. What were you um, going to see Prince Charles for, Paul? I'm involved with an organisation called World Skills, where we uh, train young people in vocational skills. Mm. And I'm the trainer for plumbing for, like, the Olympics in vocational skills. Wow. And uh, it was a welcome back and a celebration for how well we did in Finland in so, 2005. So this was supposed to be a, a, a very, very special day for you, a day of celebration. Yeah. Yeah. A very big day. Yeah. So you, you're on the train. Tell, tell us what happened. Yeah. Uh, I was on the train. Well, I got the train from Luton. Uh, I actually stood next to the bomber on the on the platform in in London, and uh, there were people pushing from behind because it was quite a busy train because the train was late into Luton, and otherwise everything would have happened earlier. Um, but people were pushing from behind, and I went the next set of doors up, and probably the best decision of my life, actually. Um, so, so like, with seconds to go, I just moved up and went in through the next set of doors. And we got to uh, Liverpool Street, Street, and I'd been stood in the centre of the train, and I moved towards the door with a glass panel above uh, on the on the, on my side. And we just set off from Liverpool Street, and I saw this flash, ducked down, and that was it. And then for about five, ten minutes, I thought I was going to die because you couldn't breathe. Everything had gone out of the train. Uh all the air had gone, everything. It was um, not a good time. Not a good time. That's putting it mildly. Uh, are, you, are you all right talking about this, Paul? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was one of the things about the therapy, and uh, I went to the counselling in London that was provided and stuff like that, and that was great. Um, and one of the things was talking about it. Mm. Um yeah. I'd, I'd just finished doing a first aid course about two weeks before, and one of the things I really feel guilty about was on the day I couldn't do first aid. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, and it. And it was really, really bad from that aspect. Um, you know, it, it was very, very difficult. And wow. then walk, we got evacuated from the train, walking down the tunnel, and uh, and then... As I spoke to you five years ago, um, saw this guy, looked like he was bleeding from head to toe, and and that was one of my lasting memories. And uh, five years ago, you put the link together to a guy called Philip, and uh, I, I did see him last night on BBC News, actually. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, that was a gap that, you know, I didn't think that guy was going to live. Uh, well, this is this is Phil Duckworth from St Albans, who's and, and it sounds incredible. His his clothes were blown off in the explosion, yeah. and um, but people it, it, people thought he was dead. He was lying on the tracks, yeah. covered in blood, and people thought he was dead. Yeah. Well, he wasn't he wasn't laid down when I saw him. He was stood up. He was just like a zombie walking down the tunnel, 
if you could imagine a, a horror movie like a zombie, it, it was it was like that. It was literally like that. And the, this, like you said, this guy, no clothes on, uh, just walking down the tunnel. Uh, everybody walking past him, coming the other way. So obviously, they're giving him up for um, uh, dare I say it, being dead. Mm. Um, you know, and it wasn't a pretty sight at all. If I ask anything, Paul, that is too personal or you don't want to say, then please tell me, and I won't be offended, of course. You know, it's just... This is the first time I've spoken to somebody who was so directly involved in that day. And um, you say you saw the flash. Did you know what it was? No, no. All I saw was a flash go off, and then it was like a ball of flame or whatever came through, and I just ducked down behind the glass panel, and it rolled straight across the top of my back. Um, uh, and then, obviously, the, the carriage was full of uh, glass from fluorescent lights and stuff like that. Um, but you couldn't breathe. You couldn't breathe. There was no air in the carriage at all. Um, uh, the windows to the side of me, they were all covered in a yellow powder. Um, uh, I told everybody to get down onto the floor. Um, you know, people were wanting to break windows, and I was saying, don't break the windows. You don't know what's on the outside. Mm. You know, um, you know, because you don't. And how long, Paul, were you, were you were you in the carriage before you got taken off the carriage? It seemed like a lifetime, but it was probably about less than about ten minutes. And were people talking? Were they crying? What, 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 no. what was? Was it just silent? Really quiet. The only time that there was uh, people got distressed was after the after the uh, smoke and everything cleared inside the carriage. Somebody looked out the window, and obviously in the centre, because we was like on the left track, on the right-hand track, there was bodies on the track that had been blown out of the train. Um, and then people started to get quite upset. Uh, yeah. And did, did did you did you speak to anybody or were you kind of in your own little no, shocked I was, world? I was in my own little world. I was in my own little world. Yeah. Uh, people came running from the next carriage down with water and things like that, and and obviously running towards the injured. Um, but in the carriage where I was, pretty much people just stayed where they were, probably uh, in shock. Um, and, and to be fair, I didn't realise I was suffering from shock. When, when I come out and we ended up above ground, I rang somebody up and I said, there's been a bomb on the train. And they, uh, the guy at the other end said, oh, well, don't worry about that. Just get here and you'll be fine. And, and, and that was, sorry. Sorry. My, my mind just suddenly went, oh, I've got to get a taxi or something to get to yeah, where I, I need to be. I bet. And, I, and I saw a policeman and they took all my details and everything else and and I jumped in a taxi, and when I got to the XL centre, um, there was paramedics waiting for me at the XL centre. For you specifically? Like they yeah, were waiting yeah, yeah. for you specifically? They, because obviously by that time, in the five, ten minutes it took to get to the XL centre, people hadn't realised what it was, and I was on my way, you see. So people met me at the door, and there was paramedics, and they took me to the toilet, managed to get me washed up and everything else the best I could. Um... But I didn't realise I was suffering from shorts. When did it? When did it hit you? Uh, about about fifteen minutes after people started making a fuss. Yeah, not um, funny.
um, you know, and it, and it really was. Um, you know, uh, my friends, my world skills friends, were tremendous, tremendous. You know, I'm still friends with them today. Still do the job today. You know, um, it, you know, people have been absolutely superb. I will say that. You know, um, it was a day I'll never forget. Never, never forget. And you mentioned that you'd had uh, therapy. I'm, I'm guessing that was was offered to to everybody who was involved in the bombings. Yeah, yeah we went down to London. You was offered cognitive therapy. Uh, to be fair, when the uh, the anti-terrorist squad a couple of days later came to my house and uh, six hours of uh, questioning, um, they came to my house, took all my clothes away. Um, uh, everything else, but they offered some advice because I was going on holiday a couple of weeks later to Turkey. Mm. They offered me advice on where to go and where not to go in Turkey, how to uh, protect yourselves in the market and on the transport in Turkey because obviously there's a terror threat in Turkey at then and there still is. Mm. Um, how to protect yourself, uh, and then they said, you know, like this counselling. And we all went to the counselling and the terrorist police or the security services, they kept sending you letters to say, tomorrow this is going to be on the news, tomorrow this is going to be on the news, this is going to happen. And it was very good because I went into quite severe depression. Uh, I was on tablets up until about two years ago uh, for it because it was quite bad. Mm. Um and and I still get depression, um, you know, because uh, sometimes life deals you a, a bump card and, and it's very hard to deal with. And, and I find it very hard to deal now with situations that get quite stressful. So so is situations separate from, from that incident 10 years ago, you, you, you struggle with, whereas perhaps before the bomb, you would have been able to cope with them? Yeah, yeah. Now nowadays the wheels come off the trolley. Yeah. Every time every time I have a problem the wheels come off the trolley and and I get very very depressive because I'm, I'm you know I, I just look at, at the bad side of life, you know, and sometimes I need to look at the good side of life as well. Have you got family and, and friends around you, Paul, that that, that help? Yeah, 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 got family. Uh, my wife, I mean, she works at Harlot in the school. She's she's hundred percent behind me. My my kids are superb. Um, you know, uh, you couldn't ask for better uh, things that way. They they don't talk about it a great deal. Mm. Um, the last two days has been quite a bit of stuff on telly, like the song for Jenny and and things like that, which was quite good. Uh, uh, you know, but I, I don't tend to watch a lot of it. Uh, I'm was, rather glad that I'm out this morning because I, I don't get yeah, a lot of it this morning. I was so. going to ask Paul: Does stuff like this, does us banging? Obviously, you know, obviously we're talking about it a lot, and it will be everywhere. Does that make it easier? Does that make it worse? Are you indifferent to it? <sighs> People need to know what happened that day. People need to know what happened that day. There were some misguided individuals, and I will say misguided. Uh, I'm sure if, if if they knew different, they wouldn't have done what they did, but they did do what they did. Um, at the time, I worked at Banfield College. I was teaching down Bury Park. The people that I was teaching down in Bury Park at CYCD were very supportive 
and they were quite shocked at what happened. Um, you know, so so people in Luton, uh, in Bury Park, and things like that were they were as gobsmacked as anybody else as to what actually happened. I've got to ask, Paul. Did you get to meet Prince Charles in the end? No. Is it still he, not happened? He, he he was. Uh, how should I say? He was whisked away. Oh, I bet. Uh, to, to somewhere safe. Oh, I bet he was in some. He was in a bunker somewhere. And you've not met him in the ten years since. No, no. Uh, in two thousand and eleven. Uh, through world skills, I managed to go to Buckingham Palace for afternoon tea with Prince Andrew. It's um, it's just an incredible story, Paul, and um, I I really appreciate you sharing it with us. You've you've, you've kind of you made it real again, and um, I, I I hope that, well, I hope that I hope that this has helped you, uh, and I, I certainly hope that it's not made yeah. things worse or, or or brought you down at all. No, no, and, and and above all, we've got to remember our security services are doing a magnificent job. Our forces do a magnificent job in trying to stop it all. Uh, you know, uh, and and there is they've their lives as well in this cause as well. Paul, thanks a lot. Okay, no worries. Well Thank done. You. Thank you, mate. Cheers. There we go. Paul Dodds. He was on the Aldgate train. I feel a letter to Prince Charles coming on. I think we have to write a little letter to Prince Charles, don't we? I feel I do feel a little bit um uh I feel a little bit guilty talking to Paul. Yeah. Um because I mean obviously he wanted to talk and we didn't in any way force him or, or anything like that, but I kind of feel I feel like it's his business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I can't be any more specific than that. Uh-huh. And obviously he's completely willing to talk and we would never have coerced him or anything like that. That was his decision and, and but I feel like it's his we've we've I've I feel like we've really pried into someone's private business. Mm. But, but we approached a number of survivors, and yeah. I've got to say the majority did not want to speak, and that's their problem. And good for them. Good but, for them. But there are others like Paul who feel like it's almost you know, a duty. It's almost the reason, not the reason why they went through it, but if some sense has to come from it, it's about raising awareness, I guess. But um, good for them. Such a tricky. I mean, such a tricky thing to talk about. Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 